State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help with funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Yep, yep, ghetto boys is back and reloaded. All in your mind, yeah, now deep throated. This is for the streets, the real, the railroaded, the disenfranchised, the truth, the scapegoated. And they know it, we speak the truth, so they quote it. Cause we wrote it, the north, south, the east coast, it's the GB knocking, we keeping your head bobbing. It ain't no stopping, and once the beat drops in, violins, the system is so corrupt, they throw the rock out their hands and then blame it on us. Don't get it twisted, on code and we ain't dancing for no buttermilk biscuits. It's Willie D, y'all. Scarface is in recovery, but he is with us in spirit. Collectively, we are the Ghetto Boys, reloaded with another episode of information and instructions to help you navigate through this wild, crazy, beautiful world. In the studio, I guessed... Ali Sadiq is in the building. What's up, Ali? Man, I'm all good, Willie. What's good, brother? Man, this is my dog, fam. I want to let y'all know straight out the gate. Man, you got a name. Let's just, just start with the name. What's in the name? Ali Sadiq. You got one of those type righteous spiritual <laughs> names. You know, now, you a black man in America. How did that name come to be? Um, You know, people name you. You know, your, your mom actually named you, actually? Your mom and dad named you? Your daddy? Yeah. I hate you because a lot of times, you know, people go to get the go to uh, yeah, not, black not even people just go to, to Not even just go to Penn. People change that. I, I think people forget it was a whole wave in the 60s and the 70s when black men was changing their names mm -hmm. because they didn't want to be connected to the system. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because so, it was these are names that was given to us anyway. Right. So sometimes your last name you know, is is connected to whoever owned your people. Right. And your first name was, you know, who was, if we come from, not if, we come from a continent that's, that indigenous don't even speak English. Don't speak English. So why would we be named Jane, Paul, and Mike, and Joe, and all these canards and all these names that, right. you know, didn't come from the place that we came from. Really? You know what I'm saying? That's, that's, that's white folk um, colonizers' business. Right. So people change their name, 60s and 70s, Man, um, 
what my grandfather, I don't know what my grandfather um name was when he came over here, but he he decided he's gonna be Bill at um uh, one time. And then all of a sudden it was Shaquan. I'm like, Grandpa Shaquan. I'm like, <laughs> is this the same Mr. Bill? He's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hey man, you got a dashiki on. Like everything in the house, I'm like Frank and Sidney Murphy. Right. He bought through that. Um, used to have that locker fell on. Now <laughs> straight sense. Yeah. So, you know that's how that's how life go about. Having the name, like having that Muslim name, and being connected to the motherland. I mean, does it give you a a certain sense of like pride that you don't see in some other people that you know that has those colonized names, like myself? <laughs> Nah, because, you know, that's the, people are who they are. You know, it's like, and especially in this society, I used to think that your name would be just, would change who you were. But it's about, if you don't change the character, how you uphold yourself. Like I always said, I've never met a good Willie, ever. Then I right. met you. Right. But I never, I'm but, honored, but, but, but prior yeah. to that, every Willie I knew, <laughs> was slicker than a can of oil. I'm sorry, it just, it just, and it was, and and nobody ever referred to him as a good person. Hey man, right. go down there and talk to Shade Ass Willie. <laughs> <laughs> then I then I I meet you. I'm like man, yeah. Willie. You know, because you always been you know 100. You know, right. even in, when you're in your involvement, when you when you this is the thing about understanding a person and the name that's connected to it. So if somebody say Willie now to me, the first thing I put a D on the end, Willie D. And then if you got to tell me that's not who you're talking about. Right. If I was talking about some shady business and they said Willie, I'm like, you talking about black Willie, dirty ass from Brown Forest. (laughs) (laughs) So it depends on the context of what somebody's talking about. You know, how you think of this person. You know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know any Kims that wasn't sophisticated and grown than like in high school, the she was she was she was too grown for middle school. And in high school she was way too sophisticated for us. You never even talked to her. I'd never met a Kim that was like a ratchet Kim. Cause all I connected was the Kims that I knew. Every Kim was bad. Like I ain't never met a, a chick that was named Olga that wasn't fine all I do. Cause she had to be. Cause the name Olga yeah. is a deterrent. Then you like, oh no, Olga, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I know one. I know two black chicks named Olga, and they probably still fine to this day. Yeah, because they was ain't it fine in middle school. Right now, what is ain't it fine? Man, when you when you in middle school and you got hips already, because <laughs> you know, ain't it fine? Every ain't it got hips. I don't really yeah. know a lot of ain't that ain't got no hips because she not really because she got your cousin. Right. <laughs> right, she already got kids. Right, all you like, boy, this ain't. And you will see somebody else ain't it. You like, that's your ain't it. Huh? You like, yeah. How you know? Because she fine. You know, nobody even look at your mom like that. Don't nobody even look at your mom like that. But your ain't it. Yeah, fine. So that's a southern thing, though. Yeah, man, walk us through what life is like in the Sadiq household. You growing up in Houston. So the thing is periods of life was in Houston because you know my, my mom was a G so when she came here my dad brought her here from California okay with, with she already had us when she came here so and how old and, are you I'm two three okay and my, they break up 
when they get here. Cause he, my daddy was wild. I ain't gonna lie. He he always say he cause he used to run in the CUNY homes with this cat named LC Muhammad that owned this Fish King. I, that's why I always loved Fish King. Cause that's why I used to go with my daddy. Mm-hmm. So my mama, when she was, you know, trying to come up, got kids, no education really. So she went back to school and she couldn't take care. So she sent us being responsible. She sent us to live with our sisters. So we in Mississippi for two years. Then we in Chicago for two years. Then, you know, we just moving around. Then you back in LA, you know, living with your uncle. So you got what? My mom got 10 siblings. So my uncle, then my uncle, back then it was my aunt Eunice and my aunt Angela and my uncle Donald lived in Mississippi. My aunt Angela moved to Chicago. So I left with her and went to Chicago. Then we went back to LA after I left from Chicago. Then we came. Damn. Then we came here. Me and my sister always travel together. Right. So my mama was very responsible on how you don't leave your kids with anybody. You leave your kids with your family. And, you know, she took, she, she would come visit and send us money. And then she got on her feet and boom, we here. She right. brought us here. Then she had my little sister when we got back, you know, she had with, um, with Ron, which is my um, stepdad. They together now still. Did that instability play a role in your becoming a man as far as like not having that structure? Like I know that when I I grew up, we damn near lived in a new house every day. Even though we lived in Houston the whole time, we lived in a new, I'm mean, not every day, but every year. We moved like every single year. So when I became an adult, it wasn't hard for me to just get up and move to another apartment or house or whatever. You know, do you find yourself like in that same uh, position? Nah, it it was because I didn't see that as not being stable. Mm-hmm. I saw that as that was normal to you. That's traveling as a family. That's like you with your family. I'm not with strangers. You know, if mm-hmm. I was like if we was like from pillar to post, I would. You know, it'd be different. But when we, I'm with my grandmother in Mississippi when it first started out. Then my aunts and everybody take care, taking care of So it's like a family unit. Mm-hmm. We moved. The only time I felt like out of order is when we got up and went to Chicago. Because it's, it's just me, my aunt, my cousin Ricky, my little cousin Marvin. That's it. Mm-hmm. We're not, we not in Chicago with family. So... California is the easiest move. Well, you got my Uncle Edward Charles. You got my Uncle Moran. You got my Uncle Bolton. You got his family. You got my Uncle David. You got my Uncle Lamont. You know, so you got, and you got the matriarch of our family, which is my Aunt Willa. She's still alive now. She's 108, still in Compton. Her house, you know, is a, is a, is a staple of our family. So living with your family is not unstable, but if I was living with strangers or in and out of group homes, I would definitely feel like I wasn't stable because everybody, this is the the key dynamics to a, a, a to stability in my mind. My mother's rules were no different than my grandmother's rules and my aunt's rules, and my uncle's rules. It's the same. It's the same. I'm getting the same spiel. Interchangeable. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not, the, the instability came when I made it, when I was asked and I made a decision, which is, which is the, um, the walk through my new special, the domino effect. It's when I live with my dad, I'm in Houston, I'm living with him 
And this is not no stable environment. And even though he got money, we live in a we live in a good place. But I live in some all adult. I live in some all adult condominiums. Mm-hmm. Your children are only supposed to be over here on the weekends. I'm here. This is where I live at. How many siblings did you have? At, but with my dad, only me and my sister. It was just you and your yeah, sister. Yeah, me. But with and, my mama, it's me, my sister, and my little sister. And how? But who you spent the most time with growing up? Me your, and my your little sister. sister or your older sister. Me and my older sister. Your older sister. And how? How many years older? Two. Apart. You? Just two. two. Right. Like that's that's my second mama. Like okay. that's who that, and that's the thing about stability. My mama's rules was, hey, you take care of your little brother while I'm in that while I'm going I got two jobs, I go to school. I need my sister my sister's been cooking full course meals. She was like six. Cause my mama prep it and tell my sister what to put the oven on and everything. We 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 um, key around latchkey kids. We got mm-hmm. key in our pocket and our shoe. We come and got to let ourselves in the house. And my sister's responsibility was to take care of me while my mama was around. So I remember my mother gave my sister, hey, now look, because he be acting up in the morning. Y'all gonna walk to school. If he act up, you whoop his ass. You hear me? And I'm standing there like, first of all, I don't give her <laughs> this type of authority over me. So my, and my sister would take that shit to serious. Mm-hmm. Boy, bring your ass home. My sister's talking to me at eight. <laughs> Bring your ass out. That sound like my sister. Fly with my oldest sister. <laughs> right. Your ass out here in these streets. He like, say, man, I wish you would put your hands up. And my sister beat my ass down, too. He was like, man, let me go. And I I never played with him. To this day, my sister raised her hand up the other day. We were somewhere. She raised her hand up. And I was like, I wish you would hit me. She's like, but what am I thinking about hitting you? But I'm. it's still that same, hey, man, don't play with me. Like, I don't play with my sister. I don't play with my mom. Now, did there come a time when you were big enough and strong enough to actually beat your sister fighting and you fought your sister and, and won? Hit my sister in the eye. And got the brakes beat off your ass. And right? my daddy <laughs> whooped my ass to no end. I'm talking about, I never get it. I taught my sister shit. I punched her ass in the eye. My sister told my daddy, and that nigga damn near tore the steps down <laughs> trying to get to me. But all the time that she had beaten on you and you told him about that, he did nothing. I never I never told on her. She, oh, you didn't? I, okay. My sister, my sister beat me down. I'm like, right. man, this is normal, this is normal, babe. Man, why your mouth bleeding? No, I'm chilling. Get my lip. <laughs> my sister standing over there bouncing. Like, I, I make the other side of this nigga mouth bleed. <laughs> right. You, you know why I ask you that, right? Because... The same thing happened with me and my older sister. My sister was gangster. I mean, beat up anybody in the neighborhood. She was two years older than me, which she still is. And used to, you know, be, she just like took her role serious as the, the carekeeper, you know, <laughs> like after my mom was not at home, anytime she wasn't home, she just, just jump right into the role, like start, Arting you around like you can't go over here. You can't. You can't go outside. <laughs> you can't watch television. And, and I'm like, I was honorary. Like I was always bucking. So she was always swinging <laughs> on me, man. I mean, whooped me all the way till 14. Now I started boxing when I was 11, but I'm boxing dudes my size. <laughs> my sister's bigger than me, right? And uh, and stronger. So it took me. All the way till I was in the seventh grade, one time we get into a fight and I get her. 
because now I'm at I'm at I'm really getting strong now, right? <laughs> and I and I and these hands are just cold. I'm the hands are just very very dangerous. So I put them on my sister. She tried to jump me, and I put them hands on her. And boy, my mama came home, man. And beat the brakes off my ass, and I and I really I felt extra bad because I'm like, damn, all these times she been whooping my ass, I get one win, and I get a beating. Yes, sir. Yeah, but that was the last time I ever uh, put hands on on my sister. mm -mm, Never touch my sister again, like yeah. I I I never get that hit my sister and I, (laughs) and she it's like. She didn't. It took she one step. She was up all them steps. One step. She was upstairs. Yeah. And my daddy was downstairs <laughs> in one full stop around the whole corner. Everything. Why am I visualizing this, man? Yeah, what? That man came down around that corner. I was like, God damn, he fast. Yeah. <laughs> man, I'm, I think this nigga pushed me outside through the wall. I was like, man, my daddy was not playing about that little girl, man. God, leave. And then I got I got it from my mama. Cause you know I still had to go back to my mama's house. Mom, my sister, I was black. She was waiting on you. My mom wasn't know because she hadn't seen my sister. We was yeah. you know, at my daddy's house over the weekend. Yeah. Came back, and my sister, I think she led in with that eye. She walked in with her <laughs> eye first. And my mama said, what happened to your goddamn face? And my sister said, your son hit me in the eye. Man, I'm telling you, I don't think people realize, man, it's a lot of times I watch my mama put both her shoes on at the same time. From a seated position, my mom would just jump in her shoes and be dead <laughs> on your ass. Like, <laughs> I still to this day, I've sat on couches and I've tried to jump in both my shoes. Still ain't never managed to do it. But my mama, man, because she's 4'11. Willie, I'm telling you, as soon as she mad and you be sitting there, your mama ain't got no shoes on. And before you know, your mama in your chest. And she got both her shoes on. <laughs> and she, my mama had a, my mom had a couple moves that she used to do, even when I got bigger than her. She's only four eleven. My mom would turn away, like turn her head, like she was looking at something, and chop you in the throat. It was very accurate too. Like your neck is exposed, and that's too much for you. Like you too great. You can't be standing up on top of her. So she'll look away and hit you in the throat. And be, when you turn around, she, you, you like this. And she's standing there like, now sit your ass down so we can talk. You. you. <laughs> <laughs> well, my mom had a lot of moves, man. She got that She got that one little move where she can. I don't know when my mama started fighting, but with seven brothers, probably very early. Mm-hmm. She could go in to your body and hit your knee with her knee. So it puts you off balance. <laughs> so when you going that way and she catch you, so the force of you falling <laughs> as you turn and you boom and you out with that one. That was a cla- that was a classic. And then the duck down. My mama just duck down and she'll throw she'll throw a right right to your stomach, pop, and you go for it. And she just trying to open you up for the left. And she throw that hook. My mama had a mean hook. Your mama used all these moves on you. Yeah. Man, your mom, man, what, what's mama, that child abuse, though, man? Dad, that's child abuse, oh, no, man. Once you get, once you get 14, 15, 16, and you talking like you ain't coming home, and she got to come out in the streets and find you, and she want to embarrass you in front of these niggas that think Were they in the street. Were you talking back? Oh, man, once, once, and that's how I got, that's how I got the look away. Mm-hmm. The look away got me to, to talking back. <laughs> I'm like, what did you say? <laughs> 
now, now you take to the streets at what age? What, what, at what age did you say, I don't care what you're saying, daddy, I'm gone. I don't care what you're saying, mama, I'm going to the streets. I'm going to do what I want to do. Officially, officially, 14. 14. Officially. And, 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 and dabbling, you know, you did something in the streets with your boys or whatever, little badass boys, you know, that's, you know, 11, 12, you know, like that. But officially in the streets, mm -hmm. 14. Right. And what are you doing out there? I just got my first 50-pack. I'm selling dope. Yeah. I'm 14. Okay. And what does school look like at this point? Going to school because that's, that's the only way I can cap by my money. Right. I, I never understood they talking about dropping out. So, so you drop out, and then how you how you show that you got it? Because now you're just in the streets with other people. Like, I don't want them to know. I'm I'm at the school, and hey, man, look here. Shrimp baskets for everybody on me. It was in, and a shrimp basket was big. It back in, back and in, he was buying shrimp baskets? That's what I'm trying to tell you. That shrimp basket was big. <laughs> that, that chicken tender basket, that shrimp basket. Paul Revere? Yeah. Cause I, that's you why went I, to Paul Revere. Yeah, that's why I got to do my. That's where my now. son, my son, I mean not my son, but my my brother went to Paul Revere when he used to live with me, and he went out there with that Fifth Ward shit, and they kicked him smooth up out of there. Well, they well they kicked him out once. I got him back in, but eventually, you know, I take him back to Fifth Ward because he just would not comply. It it, it, it certain um school demographics don't play them type of yeah. ghetto games. They were like, hey man, look. You fighting in school, yeah. They only Paul Revere, they didn't even want you arguing loud in that building. And we we tried to stir up a little bit, but they had a teacher over there, a science teacher named Mr. Terry. He had a board that let Mr. Terry have to see you. You ain't gonna, you ain't gonna have to see but once. Mm -hmm. You so so I need to I need to discuss some business with you. Um the I have been informed by the faculty and the staff. Like, wait a minute, the, the custodian's telling on <laughs> <laughs> the faculty and the staff that you have become some sort of nuisance around this campus. And like I have told you several times, brother, black men have to have some sort of honor and discipline. You know what I'm saying? So therefore, it's going this is going to be a pleasure for me, brother, to invite the discipline into your life so you can give first of all, I'm mad that I'm down here and you ain't turned your science work in. Now you finna make this about you? Hey, brother, you know what I'm saying? He tear your ass up in that office. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth... Let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, 
keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Were you there when that black principal, when the black principal was there? Oh, no. I didn't think I ever had no black principal. Yeah, that black principal, when my, by the time my, my brother got there. My brother, my younger brother, he's like, he's younger than us, uh, of course. But uh, he, years younger. But he uh, he went there, man, and there was a little white kid who used to bother him all the time. And I just tried to tell him to try to control his temper. And so this little white kid one day, Tripped him. Now keep in mind, my little brother Fifth Ward for real. Like attitude, everything come with it. <laughs> so this little dude trip him, and my little brother get dead on his ass. You know, break him down. So the little dude daddy was a sheriff. So the little dude used to he, he the dude was a bully. And he used to just push people around and, you know, and intimidate people because his daddy would show up in his police uniform and stuff like that. So my brother told him, I ain't scared of your daddy. You know, my brother, Willie D with the Fifth Ward Posse, he'll have your daddy killed. So I didn't know. I don't know this is happening. All this conversation is happening, right? So I... <laughs> I go to the office, you know, after they, they have a fight and they kick them out. I go to the office and, and the principal's, the, the black guy, he's like, and, and, and the guy, the, the kid is in the room and he's, my son, my brother is there and his, and the guy's dad is there with the big old 10 gallon hat on, that type yeah, of shit. That, that sheriff. He's sitting there, I was, whoa, he's just sitting there and he's like looking all stoic, right? And uh, actually he was trying to look menacing, right? So I was like, the 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 preacher I mean, the uh the pastor what principal. the preacher the pastor the principal the, pr <laughs> the principal goes so uh, what is uh what was Isaac saying about you uh being a part of the the fifth ward uh, posse and uh you know having uh Mister such 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 kill you can get Mister such I said wait a minute I don't know what he talking about he said well he said and then that's the, the cop speaks up. He said, you said you had guns. I said, let me just explain something to you. Yes, we have guns. I got guns in the house. But those guns are for our protection. 
You know, we are law-abiding citizens, you know. <laughs> and I say, the guns are for our protection. I did teach him how to use the gun. He knows how to protect himself if it come down to that. And I say, we are law-abiding citizens. As citizens, I don't know nothing about no Fifth War posse and having people killed and nothing. I rap. That's what I do. Yeah. Uh, and uh, And I... Uh, have stewardship over this young man right here, mm-hmm. and I'm here to help him, you know, guide him, help, help guide him through life and deal with his, you know, educational progress. I'm talking all this shit right, and I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just talking. So anyway, that was that, but that was the situation at Paul Revere. My brother just would not conform. He was just like fifth ward, fifth ward, fifth ward. He couldn't get it out of him. But see, that's the thing. When you go to certain places, people think that you can get certain things out you, and it's really not like like that. Like I remember, and I'm I'm when I think about Parville, I think about something that happened to me at Parville, and and I had to go back and think: Have I always been like this? So these dudes, I get into an altercation with some high school cats at Parville behind a girl. So the dude get beat with some up. What's high school? Get, uh, keep in mind, this is a middle school. Paul Revere is a middle, a middle school. school. And he want to fight behind this girl that from his neighborhood, they go to Paul Revere. He come up there, you know, wilding with me. I'm dating the girl. The girl named Danny. Um, And he say something slick, man. And I, I, I don't, I think people underestimate. I've never been scared. Like, I I remember being scared one fucking time, man. And your the, mama hit you in the throat. Nah, of another dude. <laughs> okay. Like I remember being because me and this dude get into it at the basketball court, and he go get his brothers, and I'm scared because it's a bunch of people coming at me. Not because I'm scared of one person. I'm like, mm-hmm. even if I win, y'all gonna jump on me. And I at that time I had never been jumped on, so. I remember that fucking feeling of being scared that time that time and going in the house and my sister was like, yo, what's up? And I'm like, yo, man, is these dudes jumping on me and shit. And it's like, what happened? I'm like, me and a dude fought one-on-one. He went and got his brother. He come back. It's like seven, eight of them when I get when I'm coming. It's like, what's what's up? You want me to come out there with you? I'm like, nigga, I don't want to go out there. What you talking about? Like, <laughs> like, I ain't gonna let nobody jump on you. What's up? And I just didn't want to do it. And I and I, and it felt like I couldn't walk around the neighborhood the same. Mm-hmm. And then That's right. we fought. Cause it's like I can't I can't hold no shit like that. It's like, so with old boy, I kicked his ass at Powerfield, like, yo, man, I can fight, dude. And you don't understand. You're not gonna beat me up in front of no people. I'm not I'm not like that. So you don't understand. So money see me on the bus. I'm riding the Brian Forest bus. Like I'm coming from basketball practice. Coach Reed let us out late. We had lost the game. He ran the shit out of our ass. I'm on that bus, and I never forget this shit. I'm sitting on the back of the bus, and these niggas got on the bus. Three of them. It's him and two of his partners. Now you're scared. I'm not scared. You're I'm scared. Con- I'm concerned. I'm like, <laughs> these niggas finna be a problem. So I try to maneuver. I don't get off the bus at my stop which is right from my house because the gate is, the gate is locked. That's going to take too much time. These niggas will catch me. 
So I go to South Kirkwood. It's a store. So I get off the store, and it's a, and when I get off the bus, it's a daycare called La Petite where we used to play basketball. You come around the corner to the store. This little, this little Lebanese man owned the store. I come around the corner. I think I shook these niggas. These Negroes ran from the first bus stop down to the stop that I got off at to beat me coming across. I didn't even get across the street. I, when I came across the street, they was already in the um, parking lot of the daycare. And when I came around this van, niggas stole me. And they jumped around. They, they fucked me up. And I got to the, I got inside the store, and a Lebanese man came around with his wife and a knife, telling him to get out the store. Because they know me. I'm a, I've am been a kid in this neighborhood for a while, so they, they seen me. So... I'm hot, man. I go home and I get my mama gun. My man had 38 snub nose. I go get my mama gun. I sneak it out of our room. And my partner Jeff's like, hey man, you don't you don't wanna do this? I'm like, yeah, yes I do. Yes I do. Cause in my mind, like, why would you jump on me, man? Shoot me the fair one. Cause I, I ain't never jumped on nobody. That's not that's not my my MO. Cut to I catch old boy years later. See him in the mall, Sharpstown. Whooped his ass all in the back park, a lot of foliage. Oh, the other cat, one of the other cats went to Robert E. Lee High School. Boy get transferred to Hastings. Where I'm at school at. Is this this nigga? Another one get transferred from Yates to Hastings. I walk in the cafeteria, I see him. So I call all these niggas one-on-one. -on -one. And they got danced up one-on-one -on -one. cause I'm not gonna forgive you for that. It's, now you got a problem, you got a problem cause you got somebody that's a real ass enemy to you. Like you know, cause I'm, cause my, my, well, my whole thing is I've never started a fight ever in my whole entire 47 years of living. I've never started a fight. I finished a lot of them, never started one. I'm 5'7". Usually I walk around 155. Why would I be around here fucking with somebody? Why would I be around here starting fights? And I can fight. Your One of your friends knew me when I was in the penitentiary. Six years of being there. I ain't got no blemishes on my record. And they were like, hey man, you go over there and you mess with that little Muslim nigga and see what's going to happen. I guarantee they ain't going to try to send you to Galveston. Huh. Explain to people what Galveston is. What they what intensive care you where they staple your head and shit back together. And and the crazy thing is gonna be a lot of people talking about <laughs> penitentiary shit. If they never if you say the Galveston and they don't know what that is, them niggas was on a minimum security cake unit somewhere. Cause Galveston, this is what they life flight your ass to trying to save your life. Mm -hmm. This is this that's if you can make if they like if they even determine that you can oh Gone with the nigga the Galveston. But I I remember being on dance and nigga had a a, um, a mop stick, a broomstick stabbed in the side of his goddamn side, and he had to walk to the infirmary because they couldn't put him on the gurney because the door's too tight on he had to walk. That nigga was walking down the hallway and nigga spoke to me like he wasn't shit. What's up, young blood? I said, nigga, where in the fuck am I? Like <laughs> this, shit, this shit is this shit, I was 19. And I'm just coming through transit on Darrington. I said, 
These niggas around here rugged. Was that the worst thing that you saw while you were in prison? No, nah, that that was that shit. What's the worst thing that you saw that you could share with the audience? Worst thing in prison. Oh man. I seen this boy get his throat. I'm talking about it was a bad cut too. Cause the way that boy swung this, um back then we used to have they don't have them in the penitentiary now, um, since Kasson told me. They had these roast beef cans. And so you could, this is my weapon of choice as well, too. So you, you could take the top off the roast beef can, so now you have a jagged piece of metal. My choice was to bend it on one end, tape it. So it's just like a mm -hmm. grip. Mm -hmm. So when I'm slicing, I can slice you up wide. But at the time, I've never seen anyone use it. I just got it, got it taped down, got a sock, so I won't cut my my own hand when I'm when I'm when got practice with it. Where I keep my thumb tucked down. But when I seen this Mexican slice this white boy open with this goddamn on can, that throat, and it's like you can see damn near. Back of his damn, he, the back of his throat, like you can see, is a sock. He cut him so. He was in the day room. I don't know what they got into it about. He just spilled out the out the tank. And he, What's up, then? And they say, fake that boy, and that boy's throat was left exposed. I said, God damn. I said, Did he kill him? No, nah, they sewed him up. Got him in the Galveston. Hmm. Good man. There's a lot of people cut. They got their throat cut. You know, um, your brother, he'll tell you when we was on Bill Clemens and um they had cut this Muslim brother's throat while he was praying. Hmm. We didn't we we didn't accept that one. That that's that's unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And the the melee I, I think people don't understand. That place there's a lot of people know in the free society, I I go hard. Yeah, because you got shit to go hard with. Oh, I got a gun. That's from a distance. I got a bunch of niggas in there. You can find shit. But when you're in a position where you got to make shit to go to war, like you fucking gangs in New York, you, you the movie, you you fucking the colonists of this, you back to being a tribe. You going back to your, your warrior ability. I'm finna make some shit, and I'm going out with the intent to kill. My intent is to kill. I'm, I'm not out here playing with you because you're not out here playing with me. And I'm out here. And, and the, only reason, the only reason I'm out here, I don't have shit to do with none of this shit. But I'm black. And this is a race thing. And I'm out here. And uh, and this is when you start. People, well, it's a lot of people talk this shit about what they made of. But you ain't no fucking dog because you ain't really. Nigga, have you been in a position where you got to do it? So, nigga, you ain't proven. You ain't tested. You ain't really done nothing. You ain't got no blood on your fucking teeth where you really want to get at it, nigga. Nigga, let me, let me show you how, what type of fucking animal, nigga, out of me came in here. You fucking with somebody who, nigga, I'll murder you with my fucking bare hands if it's between me and you. You understand? I'ma punch you so many fucking times in your fucking head. I'ma try to kill you. Because we in a tank that the COs can't get in because we locked in. And you're an Aaron Nation. I'm black. And you trying to you trying to stab me in my sleep? 
fuck is you? All right. Let's see who don't, let's see when these, when they pry these doors open, who walk out this motherfucker. I'm going to drag your fucking body out of here. And I'm going to drink your blood, bitch. Because you don't understand, you're fucking with somebody who was not fucking with you. And now I got to show you why you shouldn't have ever been fucking with me. And that's six years of that. From 19 to 25. I'm saying, and when you, when people know your pedigree, Jihad to tell you the same thing. Like when I met him, this is what he was. He he's such a dog. He didn't. He heard about what I did and then came to assist me and did not even know me. Mm-hmm. Now he told me you were solid. Now, now the word the word the word got back before I ever even uh, we ever even introduced got introduced. So he told me you were solid. Now while you were in there, how, were you at any point like doing comedy while you were in there? I was like this. You know the funny kid that's that's in your high school, he just funny. He just when shit happened, this nigga always got something to say. And you won't you can't beat him up because everybody like, man, that's you know how goddamn little Mike he is. Right. And then, so I'm basically the entertainment for the prison. Cause first two years I'm in there fighting and shit. And then this man, this old cat just said, Man, he like, man, what? What is you in here fighting every week for, man? What is your goddamn problem? Dude named Blackshirt from Third Ward. What is your problem, man? He said, man, you was fighting in the weight room. You was fighting on a goddamn baseball field behind a car. You was fighting. You ain't, I have never seen you play one basketball game without you fighting or throwing the ball at somebody or doing some ignorant shit. What is your problem? Man, I don't know if motherfuckers be in here talking shit. He said, Look at King. Let me let me give you some let me give you some dinner. You ain't gonna survive like that. One, you don't have an aneurysm and shit. You too young. <laughs> you just in there. Everybody know you can fight, man. You ain't got to prove nothing no more. Anybody, is somebody bothering you? Because because he because he, he, he messing with me and I'm laughing. He's like, is somebody bothering you? I, hey, no charge, nigga. I take care of the nigga. No charge. You know what I'm saying? I said, man, anybody bother me? Nigga, crazy. He's like, but I'm laughing. He said, man. That's better now. Loosen up, man. Shit. Nigga fighting every week. I'm in my cell. I'm thinking. I said, man, I'll laugh my ass when they break y'all. Fuck up this old man. I said, maybe that's what's wrong with these niggas. These niggas ain't got nobody to make them laugh in here. He's frustrated. First thing I ever did, Saturday morning. Everybody in the day room, everybody talking shit in the morning, trying to watch Denise Austin niggas drinking their own cups of coffee. I opened my door. I said, hey. I opened their room. Look up. On, so I'm on the second run. Like, what, little nigga? I said, hey, man. I don't know why you niggas down there frustrated. Because ain't nobody going home today. And I slammed my door. And like, oh, that's some old <laughs> shit right there, nigga. <laughs> nigga, I wouldn't even think about going home. This little nigga to talk. <laughs> I said, nigga, don't know going home on Saturday. But in my mind, it was this one old, it was a uh, lifer. Been there, been there 27 years. Man, that boy, you just tell me, hey, little dog, stop playing with me, man. Before I kill you, man, I'm going to fuck you up. You, can, you be playing too much. I said, man, I'm it. man, listen, let me tell you something, man. I made everybody on this whole block laugh, on seven billion laugh. I don't wreck y'all, man. I'm doing well. Why are you my nemesis, man? This nigga, I don't laugh, nigga. I don't do none of that bullshit. I said, I'm going to get you one day. Will I tell you for 
about 18 months. Every goddamn day I tried to come up with something to make it. And people enjoyed watching me try to do it. Like, look at this silly ass <laughs> nigga. Just, I took all the cowboys, clips of the cowboys from papers and toothpaste all on me. Guess who gonna, I'm walking fast because the cowboy, guess who gonna lose this weekend? Can't guess this nigga. Like, this nigga got Troy eight man. And, he was from Dallas? Man. Yeah, he was from Dallas. Okay. <laughs> he was Dallas. I'm fucking with this man every day. Well, I got this man on some simple shit. I, he sitting down in the day room. I come through. He fr- all frowned up drinking his coffee. I went and put my finger right here next to that man. He looked. He said, man, fuck is you doing? I said, man, nigga, don't touch me. I ain't touching you. <laughs> that, <laughs> that man fell the fuck out. He was like, man, I'm sick of this little nigga, man. Like, this, this nigga said, I ain't, don't t- nigga, I ain't touching you. Like, oh, man. Me and that man was that. cool. As he said, man, uh, <laughs> boy, he said, man, and you made me so happy. He said, when I got ready to leave, you and it, man, that man was hurt. He was like, oh, he said, man, you just, you stay out there, man. God damn, man. I'm going to be watching for you on TV, little nigga. You. It, it is, when you were in prison, is it in that moment at some point where you decided, I want to be a comedian? Yeah. When I get out, this is what I'm going to do. Dude named Rick asked me, 1985. Okay. 1995. 1995, he asked me. I'm we sit in the day room. He said, "Man, what you think you gonna do when you get out? Because you know what everybody be saying. Most of these cats be talking about whatever they did. They try to do that better. Better, exactly. Which was crazy. Right, right. I was like, man, I think I'm gonna be a comedian. I said, matter of fact, I know I'm gonna be a comedian. Rick. Cold as shit, man. Because there's some things that happen to you in your life. They don't have to be this angelic, amazing thing for other people. It just has to be fucking amazing for you. Mm-hmm. Rick said, Man, I've been there a lot, man. Been on a lot of different units. People done told me a lot of things that they was going to do when they got out. I ain't believe not none of them. They said, Man, this, this is weird for me, man. This is the first time that I'm going to be rooting for my mother to do what I think that he's supposed to do. Man, you go out there and you do that shit, dog. I used to call him Big Hand Rick. And he said, man, now, because you funny, man. He said, you done made my time. You done made the time here hmm. a lot better, dog. So if you go out there and you do the shit you was doing here, I think you're going to make it, out. Because you, dog, you, nigga, I accept, because his hands, nigga, hands huge. He said, man, you used, to make, you used to make fun. Niggas used to make fun of me growing up. Nigga, I used to be mad about this shit, nigga. But you, the way you did that shit to me, dog, I, I'd be by the TV. That nigga be way away from me. And I'd be like, come on, man. And people that they were like, what's wrong with me? I'm like, hey, come on, man. Said, I, hey, if I turn around, dog, I'm, I'm going to end up whooping you, man. Stop all that touching on my shoulder, man. It was like, man, who is this nigga talking to? Ain't nobody by him. Rick. Stop touching me on my shoulder, right? Big hand Rick. So he's just like, man, this nigga always fucking with me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I'll just blindside you. I don't know what's going on in your day. I'm at the TV just doing this. He's like, man, my hand ain't even that big, man. I was like, nigga, way up there touching me from a distance. <laughs> Chan on shoulder, so somebody believed in what I said I was going to do. So and I believed in it. So you get out and. Just joking. 
The first spot is Just Joking. The legendary Just Joking. Comedy Cafe. Owned by Alice. Yes, and Troy Mersau. Right, right, right. And that's where you you hone your craft. That's why I started. That's where you go in. You go in. A lot of lessons there. And at what point do you put that piece together? Mexican got on boots. Mexican got on boots. Now, that right there. I mean, some comedians can live a lifetime and won't come up with a piece that great. That piece, you can put that one in the Hall of Fame. So at what point in your comedy career do you come up with that? Um, Bill Bellamy forces me to say, hey, man, tell at least two of the stories that you tell us off stage in the green room. Just any one of them, just any, right. any of that shit from prison, any of it. Right. Just, so I get I get this this opportunity to do this show at the turning of other Comedy Central shows now. Um, this is the year that they, 2013, they named me Comedy Central's comic to watch out of all the comics in the country. And so 14, they... they they offered me these shows, a bunch of shows. I kept turning them down. Like, nah, I don't, I don't want to do them. And in their mind, they're like, man, how is this? I'm gonna turn it down. Shows people trying to get on show. He turned them. I'm like, cause they, it's things that don't fit you. So this show comes up. This cat, this cat named Chase DeRusso, young comic, kept telling me, say, man, I would love to see you on this particular show. I love to see you on this particular show. Didn't know anything about the show. So then, two weeks later, they offer me this storytelling show. Eric Abrams is the director. Ari Shafir is the host, and Eric Abrams has heard me do a prison story before. And he's like, Ari, you got to get him to do this show. And Ari's like, I don't really know him. And he lobbies with Ari. He said, I promise you, if you get him on this show, he's going to be the best that ever has been on this show. Eric was like, Ari's like, hmm. So he go for it. Eric think Eric thinks that I'm gonna do the show. I'm gonna do the story Mitchell about me getting ready to kill the CO. I don't. I do the prison ride because in my mind I want to show people how even though I was in the streets, I'm still young, and I don't know. I don't know this this part of life. I've never been in this place before. I want to show the not the that is it the word not what is it. How was the word? Being naive, basically. The naivety or whatever. Naivety. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to show that. And then if I got, if this is going to be good enough, I get an opportunity to do the show again, then I'll show the advancement of how this place turns you from being basically you nonviolent, really. You come in here, you defend yourself, but you're not a violent person to actually turn, turning, shifting gears to where like, you are a very, very aggressive person now, and you 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 trying to be you have become menacing, not just a formative opponent. Like now, you to the point where you are gonna kill a CO, and people don't understand the mindset. I'm I'm at the mindset. Well, it's two ways that I go. I go with I'm gonna be. Indifferent. Hey, we get into it, cool. And I, but I really don't want to to 
I'm plotting something. I'm plotting something. And I don't have consequences. And I don't think people understand this story about Mitchell. I don't have any consequences. I'm going to kill this officer and I'm going back to my cell. I'm not leaving the unit. I don't have nowhere to run. I'm going to kill this officer and I'm going back to my cell. When they come get me, I already be packed up, ready to go. I don't this the whole you not getting out of prison again because you just killed somebody. Okay. You understand? There's no consequence because now you have switched a button to a person I don't have. Sir, what what are, what are you going to entice me with? That's like when they used to try to control me with, well, we'll cut the TV out. Cut the motherfucker off. We'll put you in the hole. What? Okay, which one? I've already mm-hmm. done this, so I'm not I'm not bound to none of these rules. And that's what you want, you're not getting when you try when you're trying to break me in this system. Now, what you're doing is making me stronger because what I'm doing is mobilizing black people. I tell you, he's like, hey, this nigga right here. It was no black on black violence on no unit that he was on the whole time he was there. This mind shit that this nigga used to do with these niggas. Hey, man, we fighting each other? What, what we doing? Hey, man, I only had seven fights. And most of, and after seven, four, four of them was in the county, 10B3. Because I came out with gladiator floor. My little penitentiary scuffles, that was just shit that just happens in the penitentiary. But after that, by year number two, oh, no fighting. Black? Hell no. Black gang members? I wish you put... Anybody that's on Torres Union with them young niggas was doing all that wild, cripping blood shit, that shit ceased 1993. As soon as I got there. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! (laughs) And outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. 
Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When was the first time you actually performed Mexican Got Boots? Was on that show. Was it was on that show? Yeah, right? I had never. So seen you hadn't, it on. you didn't no, practice it, like it me anywhere you. else. You didn't practice it at just joking no, or anywhere. Just well, we're not was, just joking. That's way back. Just think, I was doing stand up seventeen years yeah, prior to me even right, doing right, that. Right, that right, right, story. right, right. I'm tripping. Yeah. So if, I'm on Def Jam already. I'm on Comic View. I'm yeah. on. Comic, I'm, I'm on a bunch of shit already. Then this this opportunity to show the difference between me and everybody else because it took me a while to get to the point of being able to tell a story. You yeah. know, I'm like everybody else. I'm like just buffoonery shit, you know, yeah. and 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 shit that I'm trying to think be relevant for the hood, not trying to get a hood no food. You know what I'm saying? And that's when the storytelling came in. The greatest motherfucker of all times with this comedy shit is Bill Cosby, hands down. You know what I'm saying? Regardless of what he did, you know what I'm saying? I get allegedly. all that. You know, allegedly. Like I'll say, allegedly. All of that shit. But when it comes to the artistry of what stand up is the coldest you ever be when you make when you sitting down and you doing it from the seat, you doing it from the chair, just killing from the so chair. So that's why you sit. That's why I sit, and I and I sit on TV. Let motherfuckers know this shit real with me. So when I got into the storytelling, being a, a, a what I call a griot, which comes from my heritage, being African ancestors sit around and to keep heritage going, they would tell very detailed stories to keep the heritage going. It was called griots. Mm -hmm. So when I shifted into that, when I was on the road with D.L. Hughley, the transition of me sitting down in front of that audience telling stories. So the first time I ever did Mexican Got On Boots was actually on that show because it was I was just in the groove of telling it because that was my lane. And it's and I didn't understand probably just like when you when y'all made mind playing tricks on you. Did you think it was gonna do that off the rip? You thought it was just gonna be a good song. I thought it was a good song. I thought it was a good story. And y'all wanted me to tell a true story. So I just told a true story. The way that I tell my friends stories. I had no idea that it was going to be like that. And I knew it was like that when this white dude named Bert Chrysler, who has a story called The Machine, which they think is the greatest story ever told about him being a Russian mobster and, and this Russian dude calling him The Machine. Fucking fantastic story. He comes to me and says, people think that The Machine is good. And then they hear Mexican got on boots <laughs> and understand that my story is okay. I even tell people the best story I've ever heard told is not the machine. It's Mexican got on boots to the point that we don't even call the shit what it's called. It's called the prison riot. We just call it Mexican got on boots. He interviewed me about it. He said, you don't even know how 
great this is. Like this is this is white comics look at this story and be like, I wish I could ever even get fucking close to this shit. And I was like, what? He's like, hey, I said, man, yeah. this is me being black. And I mean, not even me being black. This is me telling the story. So speed up to some things. I want to throw this out there before we get too lost. Cause I know I got this interview. People say in your, in a lot of your comments, I start. I started reading them because my friend James hit me and said, "Man, read some of these comments." I read them. I'm not moved by them. To my cat, Ali can't hold a, a candle to cat in comedy. In comedy, and I'm and I'm tying this into mixing out our boots. And he said this: everybody said it, but did not mention a cat joke that they even know. Everybody who was on your side and people who didn't all mentioned Mexican got on boots. So if you're not mentioning, you, you're saying this motherfucker better than him, but you're not mentioning shit that he did. But everybody who knows him is mentioning a joke. It's like saying, oh, this rapper over here, the greatest rapper of all time, he better than Willie D. But yet and still, I keep saying, what song? What song he got better than Ball Head Holes? What song he got better than Mind Plenty? What he got better than his songs? But you, nigga, you ain't named the song yet. But it, but nigga, but he just better. Still, name a song. And I thought about it. People judge shit on who better on popularity. But Cat Cat has been uh, popular for a long time. I think that that's weird. Cat is like Cat uh, is revered to people. Like Cat is one of those type of dudes that that people like it doesn't matter what, what he do it don't matter what he do it don't matter what he's going through like or whatever it. it's like people like cat williams so when you I call like out cat williams I like you know him. it's people is it, is yeah and 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 and, and, that's and, the and, that, and that goes I in like point him. like people act people really really fuck with cat real hard for so for and anybody they don't, they don't even know why though. it's like somebody calling out scarface people fuck with brad hard i mean it ain't nothing Brad can do. But Brad It ain't nothing that Brad could do that could turn people against him. I mean, what what did Cat do to Ali? What did he do to you, man? So let's go to the story. Let me speed it up. Shreveport. We in Shreveport. The song out is um Every Day I'm Hustling. Who made that song? Every Day I'm Hustling. It's Rick Ross. Rick Ross. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So what year is that? Whatever that shit is, okay. So every day I'm hustling was some anthem that he was coming out to. Like everybody come out to a song, and I want people to understand. I'm not saying Cat's not talented. I'm not saying I don't even like that. I don't like Cat. I always was fan of this of of this little man. This I'm talking about when he was Cat in the Hat. Because people people act like they like he been. You most people got on his on the bandwagon after Friday at the next. Because before that, they can't remember a goddamn thing before Friday at the next. Because they didn't know him when he was cat in the hat. They didn't know him when he didn't have no teeth and shit. They didn't know him. They wasn't watching him then. I was a fan when niggas wearing a top hat and had a cane. And, he was, and his name was Cat in the Hat. It wasn't even Cat Williams yet. So, Friday at the next, the pimp shit happens. Cool. Always been always been cool. I Back when I booked him and he, and he faxed me his headshot, which is fucking crazy. 
Sharon Ball wouldn't tell anybody. The nigga faxed the headshot to key players off. It was just a black, you know how fax come through, just black silhouette of his body. This dude named DJ Love plays the song. Cat's manager comes out hollering at him. DJ Love say, hey, my fault. You know, didn't know. I'm just playing. I'm the warm-up DJ. I'm just playing songs, getting the crowd in. Well, you don't know who you DJ for? He's like, no, I'm the warm-up DJ. I don't know. I'm just doing the show. And this is so early in the game. If he do come out there every day, I'm hustling. What the fuck? Does it matter? So she being a little, a little pushy with him, and he's apologized several times. Now he's getting, now you, now you like shitting on him. Now he kind of like, well, who the fuck is you talking to now? I've already apologized. I don't know what the fuck else you want. I'm not the DJ. I'm the warm-up DJ, and I'm and I'm leaving. I got to go do a club. So all this melee happens now. So, he, so just for clarity, the DJ played the song prior to Cat coming out, and that's, prior to the show even starting. The show prior hadn't to the show even started. It's the warm-up, and, and that yeah, right, and that's show what what Cat comes, comes out, out to. That's his right. intro song. Okay, Cardinal Sin. You know what I'm saying not really designed. The song not really designed for him. Rick Ross don't know he uh, whoever made the song don't know this nigga playing this song. Right, you know <laughs> it's just a song. You know what I'm saying so. You can pick another song because the song has nothing to do with your goddamn performance. So we he, he they go, they in the back room. DJ Love is like, yo man. Y'all fucking talking reckless to me. And I don't like it. So Cat comes out with this this player shit and just like, yo, dog, nigga, you need to get the fuck away from me with that bullshit. I'm gonna tell you what happened. I played the song. This stupid ass broad talking fucking crazy to me. Hey man, I apologize. What the fuck is up? Well, nigga, we can. Hey, nigga, we can do what? We can do what, nigga? So I come and get love, baby. Standing there, three feet. I come slide and get grab love. I'm like, love, you know. He said, man, nah, niggas talking reckless, dog. I killed all them police right there. And he's like, man, they don't, I don't give a fuck about none of that. Them niggas know who I am. And it's a mild-mannered cat. He's being, he's being offended. And where are y'all? Like, we what city? We in Shreveport, Louisiana. Okay. Right. Now, this shit happens. This over. The performance happens. Everybody go out. Cat rides back to the, to the hotel with me to the Island Capri. We talking about tattoos the whole way. Because my man Raphael do tattoos and I was going to get one before I left. Now, years go by. Now, that's one. Me and kicking in. Years go by. We at the we at the Reliant Arena here. Two shows. It's February. Two shows. Thursday and Friday. I, I perform Thursday. Friday, I perform. I come out to get this cat named Ghetto. I walk out to get this cat named Ghetto. You probably know Ghetto. Yeah, I know Ghetto. Ghetto will vouch for this story. Yeah. I walk out to get ghetto. I turn back around. You know how the arena people look in the goddamn yellow shirts. All them are locked arms standing in front of the door. I'm like, hey, let me, let me slide through y'all. And the lady who was in front of, sitting in front of my door, she said, Ali, I can't let you back in the building. I said, what? Ali, I can't let you back in the building. I said, for what? So they don't know what's going on. It's just been a sign. Don't let Ali Steve back in this building. Okay, cool. Cats. Matt, security at the time, his dude name is Carl. Carl comes and he talking over the shoulders of the security people. I'm standing outside, me and Ghetto. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, Carl, what's up? He's like, man, Cat, I don't know what the fuck is up, man. Cat don't want you back in the building. I said, what? Man, he ain't say nothing. But I can see Cat and his wife were talking. Like, I can see them. And I'm like, what the fuck is up? So this nigga turned his back to me. I have no idea, still to this day, 
and this and that. I'm cool up to this point. Then you want me back in the building. The lady said, I'll go get your stuff. I'm going to walk away. Really, this when the, this when the button get pushed. They, came, they wrote me a check, and they came and paid me. And this is how they paid me. I'm standing there, and over the shoulder of security, I just see a check come over his arm. I see niggas paying me oh, like I'm some fucking bum nigga. Like, y'all, a handout? Okay, cool. I'm sitting in the parking lot. This nigga put me out. This Wait a minute. This nigga put me out of a building. He didn't put me out. I walked out. I wouldn't let me live back here. In Houston? And I don't know what the fuck is going on. I'm sitting there and I start, I start getting mad. I start seething. Funky Larry Jones saw me walking back toward that building. He said, man, what's up? I'm saying, I'm going to address this nigga because I got a problem from him. Told him what it was. And now this time, I'm not, I'm so mad, I'm not even thinking to call GT. GT DJing on the stage. I can just call this nigga and we can get this shit popping right now. But I'm so mad, I'm just trying, man, this let me, I, so I'm trying to get back in the building. This nigga, this nigga, they send the police out. They want me off the premises. I still have no clue. I say, okay, cool, this nigga got a problem with me. Something. I run in the car in LA. He said, Man, I still don't know. My partner on my partner on tour with him. He said, Lee, I still don't know. Bill Bellamy rapping to him one day. He, he said, He ain't saying nothing. I still don't know. So I said, All right. When I run into this nigga on my ass, but I already know my temper. I already know my temper. Cause see, he been out, he been out wild and asking niggas they bat they security battle tested and all this whole slick shit. And I know me. I'm not gonna let you talk slick to me. I already got a problem because you tried to play me. You tried to play me on some put the nigga out the building, pay this nigga over the shoulder type shit. I'm like, all right. It's two ways I can handle this. I could be a ignorant nigga and just be like, I run a nigga in the streets, then do it in the streets. But then the nigga opened himself up when he said, nigga, this celebrity boxing thing, nigga, I started it. And um, they niggas looked at me like I was crying. I was like, you started. No, first people I saw was Willie D and Melly Mel. Nigga, way before. You, nigga, you wasn't around at the time. And then I said, oh, shit. Maybe I can get this shit settled, this nigga, in this ring for a bag. Because he be talking his boxing shit. So since you started, let's make it full circle. You haven't had a bout. So if that was your dream, you was the one that started celebrity boxing, you wanted to do it in the beginning. So I, you now you have a challenger. That's all I'm all I'm saying is let's make the challenge happen. This is my personal underlying problem with you. Is is going is is feeling the fire for me to want to get in the ring with you and damage your face and do something bad to your body. That's one thing. But as a as a a talent, oh, you you're an excellent talent. But that don't make that don't make you a cool ass person though. So let me get in the ring with you, settle my difference with you with a, for a bag or whatever, because you started it. That just it opened it up. When you said that you started celebrity boxing, you ain't got no problem with doing it. So let's do it. You got a challenger. You ain't got to wait. And, and hope for somebody to challenge you. Or, oh, maybe Kevin Hart may want to do it one day. Or maybe I'll do it with Steve Harvey. No, it's somebody right now that's willing. That got that, that want to ask you about something civilized. Because I ask you in the ring. Like Muhammad Ali asked that man, what's his name? And I keep asking that nigga, what I do? What I do? I beat his ass with what I do for four rounds. 
Man, I don't think Cat just gonna let you motherfucker swing on him and shit like that. Niggas ain't let you gotta let you do nothing. You know, man, remember now how people was underestimating you now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. People don't got to let you do nothing. I remember this one time when this dude told me he was gonna slap me. I said, shit, I ain't saying you won't. I just know what you won't do twice. I I cannot tell you you won't slap me. But I know one thing. You, your slapper is gonna be broke, nigga, after you slap me. Cause I can be sitting there, nigga, holler out, ah! Now, now what's the response? The response is me doing this. Hey, my man, I'm gonna give you a chance to run, nigga. Cause I like to hunt my prey. I'm gonna give you a chance to run. <laughs> I'm gonna give you a chance to run. I'm gonna give you a chance to run to make these to make these ghetto games fun, my nigga. Cause if you slap me, you better be already running. You better be Carl Lewis already running. You know, I like you and Cat, man, and I and I, I I wish that y'all could resolve your differences, but I ain't gonna lie. I would pay to see y'all fight. I would definitely pay to see that fight. I like fights. And I, I know. I like to fight and I like to see fights. Uh I don't fight often because I know conflict is costly. Uh but I but once engaged, I I do enjoy it. So uh but I but I also enjoy watching people who like to fight each other. I don't want to fight see a fight bullies. I don't like to see bullies fight. And that's one uh, thing. I don't like but, well put it like this. I don't like somebody that's bullying somebody who refuses to fight back. But I do like to see a bully get his ass whooped. And I like to see people who want to fight each other fight. And I like that's to see what that. I, I I want him to want to fight. I don't want to be the only one in the ring wanting to fight. I really don't, because it doesn't make for a good. I I like a I like a war. I've never I, once again I've never started to fight, but I've never fought anybody who once you started with me now I want to fight because I'm 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 good with engaging in the war, and I like that you think that you gonna win because you don't understand what I, the the level that I'm gonna go to. Like right now, it's people saying, "Well, cat got them hands for you. cool." I, I just say, hey, the way that I train, the way that I train every day, I'm ready for whatever. Four round, four round fight. It, man, I'm, I just, I just know what I'm, what I'm like right now. You know, most of the time when you're out, that I see you, you, you're normally reserved. Very you're, reserved. you're a very relaxed type dude, but I saw you on a viral, another viral video <laughs> of you were at a, a, a gas station, a convenience store or something, and, and this white lady was begging for money from you and called you the N-word. <laughs> How did you maintain your composure and not like totally like lose it? Because the thing is, I'm not finna fight with somebody who don't got no residence. The lady ain't got no place to stay. The lady, sir, do you have? I said, ma'am, I don't have no fucking nigger. Ma'am, I don't have change at this point. Ma'am, I don't have anything for you. Now, I would have searched for something, but when you initially asked me, you approached me, I didn't have anything. Yeah. I went to my glove compartment normally, searched for some loose change. But with the nigger shit, I'm like, ma'am, do you think that, do you think that anything you're going to say is going to even move me, ma'am? I have a residence. You, you, ma'am, you sleeping on the ground. I'm not even going to waste my time. But what I am going to do is this, this video, because anybody else coming by here, don't get this woman shit. Because let her pay the cost for her ignorance. Because whatever life, life is giving her that anyway. Mm-hmm. Because see, people say, well, that's wrong. Well, I used to be fucking homeless. I used to be the same person she was. Oh, but you didn't know that. 
It's like when you nigga talking about, well, well, you think you can do this. Man, I already been a fighter. This ain't my, I didn't start, I didn't start boxing. I started at PABA with the Rev. Like, I didn't start today. I, I didn't have to go in and, and have to say, which, which of you going to be a softball or traditional? I, mean, I know what I am. I'm ambidextrous with my hands. I can go either way. So it's 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 whatever. People think, like, I, I saw a comment, clout chasing. I was like, wow, that was different. Clout? And I'd say, that's people who don't know me. You can't. It's like, it's like when before the second season of the Dave Chappelle show, mass majority of black people had no idea who Dave Chappelle was. We talking about six HBO specials. We talking about four or five movies at that time. At that time, we talking about already being on Def Jam and all this shit. And they dismissed him because he was in a lane where they considered mainstream white. And then he did he did the story. I'm Rick James, bitch. And all of a sudden, black people gravitate towards him. And then black people gravitated towards him and then had the audacity to say something when he stopped the show about he's stupid, turned down all that money. When I talked to him, he said that was the one thing that fucking irritated him. When we talked in the comedy store, he gave me salams. I said, salam, like, why? We talking. He said, man, what irritated me that black people had something to say about my goddamn career when you just started jumping on the bandwagon with me after I did I'm Rick James, bitch. Some nigga shit that you liked which is cool, but I already got fucking $50 million. I don't have to accept a $50 million to say I don't want to do something I feel like is, is contrary that's damaging black people now that I'm looking at this shit. I got $50 million. But you don't know that because you're a new fan and then you'd say what, what I shouldn't be doing. You don't fucking know me. Anybody, when they, that's what first came to my mind. Oh, he clout chasing. He needs some money from Cat. I don't need shit from Cat. I don't need shit. They, I do it for free. I don't even need. The, I don't need the bag. I just need the event. I don't need the bag. I need the event. Because I, if you don't know who I am, shame on you. That nigga ain't got nothing to do with me. So you gonna announce to everybody that you ain't got cable, nigga? That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how they man, go. Man, when is your next special? Oh man, we just shot one in Houston called the Domino Effect. Um, we're doing the coloring and the editing right now. We're, we're, we're announcing that getting ready to drop. And then I just got signed for one in okay. October for a whole other network. Right. So I'm going to drop two in the same year. And then I'm going to drop three albums in the same year. And by the way, for all those people who think I'm cloud chasing, I'm already Grammy-nominated Grammy comedian with a, with a comedy album already. Like, people be thinking that they know. It's just like you're not in that lane. If when you ask your question, now I gotta get out of here. You fly, you flown a lot, right? Have you always went through security when you flew? No. Have you gotten out of a vehicle and then walked up some steps and got on the plane? Sure. Where you came in at? Well, like, did you did you did you walk through? Did you like, did you go through United and then somebody checked you in and then they walked you? you just, no, I went through that gate. You went, you went through a went gate. right through the it's, outside gate, not the gates inside the terminal. Yeah, it's some other shit that look like you're supposed to be going on, you mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. It's some people who, if you said that to, they're like, get in line. 
Why, how, how would you? How, how would it be possible for you to ride up to a plane and walk up and say, how would that be possible? And you're not the president. How? They're not privy to that thing. Just like inside the airport, United has a lounge and Delta has a lounge. Southwest does not have a lounge, but other airlines have a lounge. But then American Express has their own lounge. The priority lounge. That's where I be at. And if you don't have a, if you got the green, if you got the green American Express, you don't know that this, that this, because you know American Express, like you know, has a concierge service that you can call, you know, and they set up shit for you. But if you don't have that particular card, you're not privy. Most people in comedy are not privy to the people who are really out here doing it. But thank God we are privy to Ali Sadiq's <laughs> comedy and we understand what it is and, and we love you, man. We respect you, man. And we want to see more of you. Definitely looking out for you, man. How can people can contact you? Oh, man, you can just go to my social media. I put everything on there. Ali Sadiq, spell my name correctly. A-L-I-S-I-D-D-I-Q. Um, Because a lot of people spell it wrong. I'm not talking about you, Willie. <laughs> XM, let me tell you why it's important. XM, I'm on XM and I'm not getting any checks. And I'm on all the comedy stations. Mm -hmm. 90, 90 all, all the way up, I'm on all of them. I'm not getting any checks from Sound Exchange. A friend of mine just happened to take a picture of her radio, just proud, just, hey, I'm proud of you, X, Y, and Z. Your name's my spelled name wrong. is spelled wrong. Okay. I sent it straight to my lawyer. My lawyer contacts them. They got all type of checks for me, but they don't know what is sending because it's not the name is not linking mm -hmm. up. Man, when I, they finally got my name right <laughs> and send me that first check, woo. Yeah. So it's in my contract. If even if I show up to a comedy club and they got my name on the billboard spelled wrong, they had to pay me my guarantee and I don't have to perform. Because right. now you you messing up my ticket set because you somebody you put it up. Some Pakistani man come on. You're like, I don't want to see him play. He playing some weird instrument. Is that so? People, it's it's kind of shorting me of my money, right? Because even Raphael Sadiq name not spelled like that. His name is spelled S S A D I Q. He don't have a double D, right? Yeah, and I told him he need to spell his name phonetically correct, Arabic style, he, right? Because you, I said you doing some. Some um, <laughs> black Negro changed your name in the 60s. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Lisa Deek. And that's a wrap. This episode was produced by A-King and brought to you by the Black Effect Podcast Network and, and iHeartRadio. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. 
To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind, so you can look and feel amazing no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else.